this is a faithful saying, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. Thanks for joining me today. This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Well, good morning, and thanks for tuning in. We're picking up in our study in Proverbs. We're in Proverbs chapter 10 this morning, which is the official beginning, I guess you could say, of the actual Proverbs or sayings that we are so accustomed to from hearing out of this book. And we're going to begin in Proverbs chapter 10, and we're going to depart from, I guess, the pattern of our study up to this point. We've been doing basically a, a chapter survey, uh, taking a few main points out of each each chapter and doing more or less a verse-by-verse consideration. And from here on out, we're going to be doing more of a topical-type study. So the, the subjects that are addressed in Proverbs are their you know, work and marriage and sex and debt and family and, and raising kids and you know they're just but they're scattered all over the place and they're not organized according to topic and so what we're going to do is uh, more or less consider each of those topics or subjects um, in one study and so rather than going through all of chapter 10 we're going to focus on for example what Solomon says about wisdom and the workplace today. And another study will focus on what he says about raising kids and debt and finances and things. So we're going to go topical, I guess, from from here on out. So in Proverbs chapter 10, the first issue that we encounter that, that Solomon wants to deal with is that of being a diligent worker, avoiding laziness and and, and the consequences of, of laziness. You know, work is an integral part of our lives. It, it indicates, I think, to some degree who we are. It plays a vital role in our life's paradigms, our social circles, uh, where we're going to live, things like this. And so when we look into the Scripture, we can see, you know, religious people, men who were called to be apostles, that ultimately that became their job, their work full-time was just to preach and teach the gospel to others. Um, these men, like Peter, were fishermen, uh, or Paul was a tent maker, we see. And Matthew, uh, or Levi, was basically, you know, worked for the IRS of his of his day. And so we see all of these all, in Christians engaged in, in good, honest uh, work. And that's exactly the pattern that we find in the New Testament for God's people today, that we should... Um, find honorable labor, honest work, and work with our own hands. For example, Ephesians 4.28, Paul says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And so Proverbs has a whole lot to say about jobs and work ethic and the reward of that and laziness and, and the consequences of laziness. And so I want to think about that with you this morning. Can you just look with me in Proverbs chapter 10? We're just going to read the first five verses here. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish son is a grief to his mother. Ill-gotten gains do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous to hunger, but he will reject the craving of the wicked. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And he who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who reaps in harvest is a son, he, excuse me, who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. 
And so Solomon has a number of sayings here just back to back about the wise son versus the fooler son, ill-gotten gains, honest labor, work ethic, uh, preparation, and, and things like this. And so that's our topic this morning, as I mentioned just a moment ago, the wisdom that Solomon presents to us um, to use in the workplace and on the job and, and in our lives as we go about whatever our vocation may be, physician, teacher, lawyer, mechanic, whatever the case may be, whatever work we have, our hands have found to do with which we support ourselves and our family, uh, Solomon has something to say about that. And one of the consistent messages that we see throughout Scripture, and especially in the book of Proverbs, where we're focusing is that uh, laziness, laziness is a life-destroying defect. Spiritual laziness, to be sure, you know, spiritual laziness is an unwillingness to learn, and to grow and produce fruit for God, who will, you know, in final judgment, um, judge us according to our, our deeds. And, but that's that's true also of physical laziness, we might say, in, in, in the workplace. Solomon says in Proverbs 18, verse 9, whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. So think about that. Solomon is saying that the lazy person, someone who's just static, someone who's just idle, um, who is who is unwilling to work as a brother to him who destroys. And so we tend to think in terms, or at least I, I, I did, that, uh, you know, there's the lazy person who's unwilling to work, and then there's people who are just hostile, who are out, outright, you know, going against the grain, uh, maybe, and, and being destructive and, and trying to sabotage employers or something like this. But Solomon is saying, ultimately, the consequence is the same. That the one who is slack, the one who is lazy, is a brother to the person who is actively trying to sabotage the cause, whatever the cause may be. And so laziness in our work leads to reprimands. It could lead to termination, and that robs, uh, we rob ourselves, I should say, of and, and those who depend on us, our spouses or our children, um, of needed support. All right, so there's a lot of physical consequences associated with laziness, to be sure, spiritual ones that we'll talk about. But uh, I think all of us are familiar with and can readily see and easily see uh, the physical ramifications of just just being an inactive, just being idle, just being lazy. Uh, the, the word that the proverb that Solomon often uses, that Proverbs often uses, is sluggard. He calls the sluggard to consider his ways, or the lazy person to consider his ways. Uh, and one of those instances in, is back in Proverbs chapter 6. If you uh, want to back up there for just a moment, Proverbs chapter 6, and drop down to verse 6 in Proverbs 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways, and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond, and your need like an armed man. And so many people refuse to find any significance in working, in, in a vocation, in giving their time and their resources and their energy uh, to producing a product or a service in, in an honest and good good way. So in, and instead of seeing work as, as honorable, as an honorable means to an end, 
uh, like supporting self and, and family and contributing to society and generating revenue to share, as Paul says, with those in need in Ephesians 4, 28. Um, they see work as evil, basically. They see work as something to be avoided. And that's that's the telltale sign of a lazy person, of a sluggard who is a brother to him who destroys. And uh, let me say this, too, um, before we get too far into the, you know, I, I don't mean to emphasize that we, or or to say, I guess I should, that we, we work merely for material compensation. That's true. It, we should, and the Bible teaches that, uh, that we should work, again, to support our, our families, as Paul says in 1 Timothy 5.28, that the one uh, who does not provide for his own, especially his own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so, yes, we, we work to support ourselves, as he told the church in Thessalonica, if a man shall not work, neither let neither let him eat. Uh, but ultimately, it's not just about garnering material compensation to support our families. That's well and good. 100% we should do that. That's a, but that is not the ultimate goal of work. Listen to this. This is Colossians 3.23. Paul says, Whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So all honest, honorable work is primarily for who? It's for God. It's for the Lord. Yes, we have employers. Uh, we may be an employer ourselves and have employees. We may work for a giant firm or something like this and have, you know, all these tiers of bosses on top of us. And, you know, we talk about the, you know, the corporate ladder and, and such like this. We may be in submission to all kinds of authority in, in the workplace, but ultimately who Paul says we should be working for and where our focus should be and working heartily is for the Lord and not for, for men, knowing that he sees what we're about and what we're engaged in. And that, in the end, leads to claiming an inheritance, an, an eternal one in, in heaven. And Paul says the master that you're really serving is, is Christ. And so we, we should strive to be the best worker in our vocation, not for ourselves and not necessarily for our employers, but for him ultimately, for him. So Paul says, work heartily. Don't dither about. Don't make excuses. Don't be lazy. Because in the end, in the final analysis, we should all be striving to be uh, good workers in the Lord's vineyard. And a wise person works not just for money, but knows ultimately that in that job, while they may be working for wages, they're ultimately looking to glorify God and serve Him through that job, whatever it may be, and win souls for Christ. Again, one of the telltale signs of, of laziness, as we see in Proverbs chapter 6, where we just read, is, is this kind of undue uh, delight in sleep and, and kind of overindulging in sleep and recreational pleasures. And everyone needs to sleep, everybody needs to rest, but we have to make sure that we're not resting before we're tired. Right? Solomon asked the question in verse 9 of Proverbs 6, How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? You know, so you hear the, the frustration as we've likely been frustrated with others or our kids or with ourselves, you know, when the, the day just kind of slips away because we just 
I don't want to get out of our warm beds, right? It can be it can be hard because it feels good, right? And so we, we're tempted to be uh, lazy and unproductive. And, you know, the sluggard biblically doesn't get out of bed on time for work. He's, he's perpetually late. He's the guy that's perhaps overindulging in, in his appetite for fun. Uh, late into the night, and so he's he's not ready for the morning when it comes. He knows he should get up, uh, but Solomon says, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed in Proverbs 26 and verse 14. So when he finally does get out of bed and get to work, he does as little as possible, which is another symptom of, of laziness, right? You, you just kind of half-heartedly do things instead of, as Paul says, heartily working Right, that we're not taking the the initiative. We need somebody standing over us constantly uh, if we're if we're lazy. Remember, Solomon says that. Look at the end. He doesn't have a ruler. She doesn't have a chief or officer. There's no authority really o- over her uh, per se. But she still prepares for the winter, right? In in the summer, she gathers her food in the summer. Uh, and so, one again, a symptom of laziness is someone has to be almost forced to work, you know, and as soon as the boss leaves the room, as soon as there's no supervision, the sluggard is pulling up Saltair and Mahjong on the computer and just wasting time instead of using that time to prepare and and, and perform and, and do something constructive. Paul says in Ephesians 6 and verses 6 and 7 that we are to work with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And so we don't want to be hypocritical. We don't want to be we don't want to be the guy or the girl in, in the room that has the boss or needs to have the boss standing over them or uh, or and if they're not we're we're pulling up some game on the computer, right? We're just because ultimately we're just men pleasers, we're just trying to look trying to look busy, right? which is kind of a running joke we hear sometimes. You know, the boss is coming, everybody look busy. Or the teacher is coming, everybody look busy. But Paul is saying, no, that's not how a Christian should be at all. That should be working with sincerity of heart, remembering that ultimately they're serving Christ and they're doing the will of God from from the heart. So if we fail in this, if if we're we're the lazy person, if we're working half-heartedly, then ultimately we're failing our... Our God, we're failing ourselves. We're failing our employers, and we're, we're really robbing them of the service that they hired us to do, and we're robbing them of their funds. But ultimately, we're failing our God, and we're and we're sinning. We're we're a destructive force, and and poor stewards of the valuable resources God has given us. Now that's detrimental to us. That's detrimental to our families. It's detrimental to the businesses who who hire us. Solomon says. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy one to those who send him. Laziness doesn't happen in a vacuum. It affects other people, in other words. A sluggard not only destroys himself, his prospects, uh, his employer's business, but also his own family. His wife will be frustrated and disheartened. His children will see his bad example. They'll be corrupted by that. Man, he will also suffer the judgment of God. Remember, what I read First Timothy 5 and verse 8 um, earlier, but just to, just to repeat and emphasize what Paul says there, that if someone 
refuses, if someone does not provide for his own family, especially those of his own household, uh, that he has denied the faith. He's denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. Solomon goes on to say in Proverbs 15 that the way of the lazy is as a hedge of thorns. It's it's difficult. I think it arguably takes more effort to be lazy, and also it's a difficult path to choose because of the consequences associated with it. Termination from a job. You'll be poor. right? How many times do we see that? Have we read that already this, this morning? Proverbs 6.11, your poverty... Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Verse 4 of chapter 10 that we read also at the beginning, poor is he, poor is he who works with a negligent hand. Proverbs 20 and verse 13, do not love sleep or you will become poor. And so one of the reasons it would seem just from reading scripture and looking at the, from looking at things from the biblical perspective that people are impoverished certainly sometimes because of circumstances beyond their control but for the vast majority of people who live in poverty the problem is they're just not willing to work they have negligent hands they're they're sluggards and they've come to depend upon others who unfortunately enable them to remain sluggards that who are who may believe that they're alleviating someone in a difficult circumstance, but who are in fact enabling them and encouraging them to remain unconstructive and lead unproductive lives and not join the workforce. Right? If a man shall not work, neither let him eat. And again, I understand that there's circumstances, and I know you do too, that there's circumstances where uh, someone becomes uh, absolutely disabled and and they can't they can't work. Physically or even mentally, you know, there's accidents that happen where people become mentally disabled and they can't they can't function and they are just absolutely dependent upon somebody else to provide for them and care for them and fulfill fulfill their needs. Uh, I I get that, and that's not who I'm talking about. That's not who Solomon is talking about. He's talking about able-bodied people, totally competent, who just refuse to work. And one of the consequences of that refusal and, and and maintaining that laziness is it should be poverty. Right, not being rewarded for that refusal to work. And Solomon doesn't mince words. He says a sluggard, a lazy person may even starve. An idle man will suffer hunger, Proverbs 19 and verse 15. So God allows the idle, lazy sluggard to suffer the consequences for his actions. We don't have to, we don't have to take that path though. That's the good news. We don't, we don't have to be the idle man. We don't have to love sleep. We don't have to be have negligent hands. And, you know, the truth is you're just not always going to feel like going to work. I'm not always going to feel like going to work or feel like giving our best. But God commands that nonetheless, and his commands are to be and can be obeyed despite how we feel, despite our moods. I think many people make the mistake that in order to be pleasing to God, you have to be in, in the mood to please God or, or feel like pleasing God. Uh, and that's just not true. There are many examples in Scripture where we see uh, people serving God and obeying God's commands when it absolutely did not feel good. 
give you one example from Acts chapter 16. When Paul and Silas and company come to Philippi, and they're preaching the gospel there, and uh, a mob is stirred up, and they're beaten in the public square, and they're dragged off to prison, and they're put in shackles, and they're chained in the inner prison, basically solitary, uh, right? So in the, in the worst part of the prison, uh, they're uh, beaten and bruised, and you know they've been ridiculed. Uh, now they that doesn't feel good. I mean, you, nobody can look at that text and argue that those that they felt that they felt okay in that cons, um, that context. But what we find them doing is still serving God. They were praising God, praying to God, even in the midst of of all of that. They were still obeying Him, being the examples that He called them to be. And that's and that's an extreme. You know, we're not going to go. To work, I don't think anybody listening is expecting to go to work and and be beaten by their employers, right? We may act like that sometime, but um, but that's not really going going to happen. I mean, we have a wonderful opportunity before us to uh, to earn a living. No matter again, no matter what our vocation is, we and we should be thankful for that and not take it for granted and obey God and be an example to others regardless of how we feel you know what if what if you gave into your feelings and and you allowed your feelings or your mood to dictate your behavior and your work ethic here's what's going to happen you're going to have a whole lot of regret you're going to suffer many regrets and, and when you reflect on your life if you continue down that road and you just go to work whenever you feel like it or you move from job to job uh, because you can't hold one uh, because of your laziness, when you reflect on your life, you're going to see unfulfilled ambitions. You're going to see wasted opportunities. You're going to see failure. And Solomon said, The desire of the sluggard puts him to death, for his hands refuse to work. Misery, death, waste again, dissatisfaction with, with life. Proverbs 21, 25, and 26. All day long, Solomon says, he is craving. The soul of the sucker craves and gets nothing, Proverbs 13, 4. And we'll be a disgrace in our family and in the, in the community. Right? Proverbs 10, 5 speaks of the shameful son, the shameful son who sleeps during the harvest. He acts, he acts shamefully and is a disgrace to his father and his mother. You know, the fact is that God designed us to work, and he designed us to work heartily. You know, there was work in paradise even before Adam and Eve were cast out. I think sometimes we have the erroneous conception that, you know, nobody had to, to work in paradise. But, you know, their duty, Adam and Eve, was to maintain the garden, to keep it. And so God, from the beginning, has designed us to work. And I, I firmly believe that there will be work to do in, in heaven also. It's not just going to be, you know, sitting in eternal vacation, you know, sitting up on the beach with your with your feet up. Now, it it is described as rest, and I believe 100% that that's exactly what it will be because we'll be free from these these bodies. We won't get tired. We won't get sick. We won't get old or sad. You know, all, all of that would be gone. And so it will be peaceful and, and restful and wonderful and joyful. Uh, but I, I believe we're going to have something to do. There's going to be work for us to do. So God's designed us to work and to work heartily to gain satisfaction from work. Listen to Ecclesiastes 
Again, Solomon says, There is nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. This also I have seen, that it is from the hand of God. To enjoy the fruits of one's labor, of honest and, and enjoy and be satisfied in honest and good, hard labor, that is from the hand of God. Emerson once said that a man is relieved and happy when he has put his heart into his work and done his best, but what he has said or done otherwise shall give him no peace. And I would amend that to say Emerson, I believe, meant that that man will have no peace with himself because inwardly he knows he's being lazy, inwardly he knows he's not giving his his best and and reaching his full potential. Uh, But I think also biblically we will have no peace with God if we're shirking our task and, and coming up short. No peace with ourself and no peace with God. And as we sign off this morning, uh, that's the question I want to leave you with, is do you have peace with God? The Bible teaches that the only way to have peace with God, to be reconciled to God, is through His Son, Jesus Christ, in obedience to His gospel. Paul says in Romans 6 and verse 17, that though you were slaves of sin... You became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching and became slaves of righteousness. You were released from sin, he says, because you obeyed from the heart that form of teaching, which is the gospel. Have you done that? Have you taken advantage of the sacrifice that Jesus made for all men? The grace of God is extended to all people, Titus 2.11, but only those who are willing to receive it are the ones who will take advantage of it and be saved in the end. So do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? John eight twenty four. He said, Unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. And He says also that unless we repent, we will perish in Luke thirteen three. That we must confess Him as Lord, Romans 10, 9 and 10, and that we must be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, Acts two thirty eight and Mark sixteen sixteen then we can have peace with God. We can work heartily for Him in His vineyard, whatever our vocation may be, and look forward to the internal inheritance that He has promised us, knowing that we serve Jesus Christ as our Master and that in the end He will always prove true and faithful to His Word and His promise to save. Do you believe that? Perhaps we can help you somehow serve the Lord or, or aid you in your obedience. If you want to contact us, please do at leonvalleychurch at gmail.com. You can contact us uh, through our our website at leonvalleychurch.org. There's a contact form there that you can use. I appreciate you joining me this morning in, in this study. I hope you continue to pray about these things. I will do the same. I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.